Welcome to the Lawyerist Podcast with Sam Glover and Aaron Street. Each week, Lawyerist brings you advice and interviews to help you build a more successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. And now, here are Sam and Aaron. Hi, I'm Sam Glover. And I'm Aaron Street, and this is Episode 7 of the Lawyerist Podcast, a weekly podcast about lawyering and law practice. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or using your favorite podcast app, or you can listen to it at lawyerist.com slash podcast. And if you enjoy the podcast, we would really appreciate it if you took 30 seconds and give us a rating in iTunes. Today's podcast is sponsored once again by Ruby Receptionists, also called Call Ruby. You can sign up for a free 14-day trial at callruby.com slash lawyerist, and Ruby will even waive the setup fee if you decide to become a customer. All right, so Sam, this week there was a really interesting article on Forbes.com about this Uber driver in California. The title of the article is The Uberpreneur, How an Uber Driver Makes $252,000 a Year. And basically the gist of the article was this guy figured out that as an Uber driver, he has a captive audience in his car dozens of times a day. And so he doesn't actually make his quarter million dollars a year driving Uber. Uh, He makes his money selling things to people in his car. So this guy is a jeweler. Okay, so hold on, back up. You'd better better tell people what Uber is for those. Are you serious? I think you need to tell people what okay. Uber is. Okay, so Uber is like a taxi cab, except you hail the cab using your smartphone. And the drivers are all independent contractors who contract with Uber to drive right, people around. Right, like you around. could go become an Uber driver right now. Yes. Basically. Yes. That's what Uber is. Everyone and knows it, what Uber great. is, I, Sam. Come on. I, maybe. I. You know, my wife doesn't know what Uber is. Is that for real? Uh, she has only ever ridden in an Uber with me, and she has heard me talk about it, but I don't think she would begin to know how to summon an Uber car herself. Okay, but it's not a foreign concept. Uh, I'm not sure she knows that that it is anybody can just go become an Uber driver. and It's basically crowdsourced taxis, right, is kind of a way to talk say it? Sure. All right. Okay. Anyway, so, so this guy. the guy is an Uber driver. <laughs> so there's this guy. He's an Uber driver, so he gets paid 70% of the fares he collects driving essentially a taxi cab, except it's a car he owns. But So he's figured out a way to leverage this service to make a lot of money doing something totally different, which is he uses his car as a mobile showroom to sell jewelry that he makes. So he has jewelry hanging from the rearview mirror and the dashboard. He has glossy catalogs uh, behind the seats. And so as people are captive audience in his car while he's driving them around, he tells them about his jewelry and tries to sell it. This is only relevant for today's podcast because after reading this article, it occurred to me that this is a an intriguing model for a very entrepreneurial solo law practitioner to become an Uber driver and figure out a way to sell legal services to people or market legal services to people while they're in his car. I I will say everyone who has ever glanced at the rules of professional responsibility is now thinking to themselves, is this in-person solicitation? Yeah. Because, but, but so I think the story kind of addressed that because they talked about um, you know, Uber has built-in feedback, right? You, it asks you to rate your driver when the trip is over. And so he, he goes out of his way not to be a salesperson at all. He said he never mentions his business, his side business, unless somebody asks him about it. Although he certainly throws the hints around pretty thickly. Right. And he has jewelry hanging from the dashboard and catalogs of his jewelry in the car. But he doesn't have to sell it. You're just sitting there and you're going to grab the magazine behind the seat. And in this case, you could grab the brochure of the estate planning lawyer who's driving you around, who asks you what you do, and you ask him what he does, and suddenly you're talking about estate planning law. Yeah, it, I don't think there's anything wrong with it as long as you don't, you know, as long as you don't try to make the sale and wait for somebody to ask you. I think you could ethically do it. And this um, would give you an opportunity to literally talk to 50 new people a day while they're paying you to talk to them. It's it's uh, cold calling without the cold calling. 
yeah, without plus, the cold. Plus, you'll still make fifty grand a year as an Uber driver. Potentially, yeah. <laughs> I think someone no, needs to try this, and they should do it ethically. Yeah, uh, and then they should tell us how it went. That would be that would be, I'd be totally amused to see that. I think it'd be interesting to see. I'm trying to make up in my mind whether or not I think that's skeevy marketing or not. But well, if um, it is, a person who wants to do it that way shouldn't do it. It has to be a good person. Yes, it's the only way I want to hear about it. Well, and if it was a skeevy person, they would probably lose their five-star Uber rating very quickly. Instantly, and then they would never yeah. be able to pick up another passenger again. Yeah, or client. Yeah, <laughs> precisely. Uh, I I think it would be really interesting um, if somebody, A, wanted to work through the ethics problems in more detail, although I don't think there are that many. Um, but I do think that you would be sort of a rolling in-person solicitation problem and it would be very easy to land in front of the ethics board. But at the same time, I don't think there's a, you, I don't think you have to make that a problem. I think it's pretty easy to work around it. And I, All right, if so this is, this is my it, challenge to, to our readers then. My challenge to our readers is somebody try this. Yeah, go do it for a week and report back. I don't know that you can just do Uber for a week. I, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> so my link is on the theme of today's podcast with Guy about uh, online marketing and i'm gonna i'm gonna pimp one of my own posts here that's a little uh, which, sleazy yeah it might be a little sleazy but it's totally on point because um okay so a couple of weeks ago uh, i encountered a post on the legal skills prof blog that reported on an informal survey of pennsylvania trust and estate lawyers so the informal survey was somebody emailed the list to ask um, after you do write a will or trust, do you contact the client in a few years to see if the client needs an update? Simple question. Uh, many of the estate planning lawyers I know do this as a matter of course and good client service because pretty good chance they are going to need an update. This person got 70 responses and not a single one of them responded yes that they contact the client in a few years to see if the client needs an update. <laughs> what? And my, yes, my one-liner on this was, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> because, because, here and here's the thing. Here's These what, are people who were actually their clients already. Yes. And they write the will and then never talk disappear. to them again. But, but here's what really gets me about that, is if you surveyed the same 70 lawyers, I would bet substantial money that a non-zero number of them would give you an astonishing number for what they spent on online marketing. Right. Right. Like I bet I bet two or three at least spend over a thousand bucks a month on online marketing rather than just sending an email to all of their past clients every two or three years. Exactly. And so so I responded to this post um, by saying, here are four things you need to do before you spend a dollar on online marketing. Um, <laughs> one of which is follow up with your clients. You know, don't don't close the door when you when you close your file. And um, so I just. Before we even get to my interview with Guy, which is to a great extent sort of a skeptics or a realist's guide to online marketing, online marketing without the BS, you might call it, before anybody even tries to, to follow the advice that they are about to hear, go back and read that post, read those two posts that, that I put together and just, you know, check your intake procedures for leaks, make sure you're taking care of your current clients. Make sure you're doing obvious things that you could just, I mean, like literally by sending one email to a group of people, you could probably get several new clients today um, before you start spending money on following Gee's and my advice on online marketing. So that's my cheater link for this week. I like it. That's good. So we'll include all of those links uh, in the show notes in the post on lawyerist.com. For today's interview, I'm talking to Guy Sakalakis, as I mentioned, uh, who has one of my favorite names to say. He is of the legal marketing company AttorneySync, and he and I are going to talk about online marketing strategy without the BS. I have with me Guy Zakalakis from AttorneySync, which is an online marketing company based out of Chicago. That's all the bio I'm going to give of him. Guy, why don't you give us your bio as you like to, to have it out there? Well, that was pretty good. Um, <laughs> if, if brief. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm a big Michigan football fan, and I like helping lawyers uh, understand how to use the web for their practice. Leave it at that. And Guy's been writing for Lawyerist for 
years, honestly. You've you've been um, pumping out content on our site for I don't know three or four years, I think. So. Yeah, and I'm uh, appreciative of that. I, I I love lawyerist, and um, hopefully I can uh, ramp up my contributions there. Well, I guess I should say one of the reasons I one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, and one of the reasons I love having you contribute to lawyerist is that um, as far as online marketing goes, there's a lot of hype and confusion, and um, really kind of slimy feeling consultants out there, and you are not that. You have a very nuanced um, and sophisticated view of what online marketing means. You have a background as a lawyer. Um, I know you haven't practiced uh, recently. This is what you do now. Um, And you've been doing this long enough that you are an expert at at the online marketing business. And so um, I like that you have, you know, a a pretty balanced perspective on this and a pretty nuanced view of marketing, which is why I want to have you talk about online marketing basics, which is kind of a, I mean, this is a conversation you and I have been having for years is trying to help lawyers understand that we don't we aren't just talking about SEO, right? Or is does SEO even just mean search engine optimization anymore or is that kind of become a catch-all term? Well, it, yeah, it's been a bastardized term to say the least. Um, you know, when I think of SEO, it's really anything you're doing to try to improve your visibility in search engines, but I I mean, I think that, you know, it's kind of we've talked about in the past. It, it I think we need to take a step back and start with just marketing. And, and and really, when I say marketing, I think more of the things that you can do to communicate the value of your legal services. Um, well, so like, yeah, because I was started talking about online marketing, but I have actually been preaching too lately, like there's no such thing as online marketing, there's just marketing. Right. And, and I mostly agree with that, except that there, there are some fundamental differences with, with some of the things that we do online versus offline. But at its core, you're right. The, the same principles apply, and this, they, as they've applied since lawyers have been trying to develop relationships for hundreds of years. Okay, so so take me back to, you know, online marketing as communication, and um, you know when when it, I, I was I was starting to ask you before we we turned on the microphones, I was starting to you know say what oh say okay so what is the basics? What are we actually trying to do with online marketing, and how are we trying to do it? And you were like, hold on, let's go back to basics. So take me back to basics. So, you know, in, the, in kind of the, the beginning is, is to, to think about the Internet as a communications tool, because that's really what that's really how it's changing the world. It's how it's changed our uh, interactions with each other. It's giving us access to, to people in a way that we've never had before. And it's given us tools to be able to do things like communicate the value of our services in a way that's never existed before. But, but fundamentally, it's a lot of the same thing that people were doing a long time ago when it was business cards and when it was handshakes and when it was going out to lunch. It, those types of things, and, and those th- types of things still matter, by the way. That's not to say that we should stop doing those things. But the internet... You know, we're talking about... Yeah, even though I say there's no such thing as online marketing, there is such a thing as online marketing, and it's distinct from offline marketing, and which is handshaking and lunch, or it's a complement to those things. And so we're not, yeah, you're not saying ignore that stuff. You're just saying here's how we do the online piece. No, because I mean, at the end of the day, we know that even today with all of the internet stuff and websites and SEO and email and all this kind of stuff, at the end of the day, people are going to gravitate and, and ask about lawyers who that they know. They're gonna ask people for referrals to lawyers from people that they know and, and that they trust. And that I think is the part that's lost in a lot of the um, you know internet marketing shtick that you hear is that it's turned, it, it, the, there's a very one dimensional uh, thinking about the web and it's turned into um, you know, advertising, right? So it's it's much more. You see people talk about, well, you've got to uh, you know do X, Y, and Z in the in the framework of your advertising your services. But the the and I think I really like the word complement because that's really what it does is it complements um, a lot of those reputational elements. So you know, a quick example is is that. Whether someone hears about you because they performed a Google search or they were referred to you by a friend, it's more likely now than ever, and it's going to continue, that they're going to look you up online. 
And they're going to do that in a variety of ways. Some of those people might go to Google. They might type your name into Google. Some of those people might go look you up on LinkedIn. But they're going to want to see those reputational validations where other people, So that, and this is why you get into things like what your clients say about you, what other people say about you online really, really matters in a relationship business. Now, does that mean that it's make or break that you know someone sees, oh, I've got 45 positive reviews, so they should hire you? Of course not. Um, yes. However, it's, it's, it's going to be part of their analysis. So something just kind of clicked for me. And, and um, I think it's I think you said it, sort of in passing that, um, you know, online marketing is a if it's a component of your marketing effort, it probably can't exist on its own. You probably can't sustain most practices if all you ever do is online marketing because your offline referral network is so important. However, I think we've probably reached a tipping point where you pro- it's probably pretty difficult to um, do marketing without an online component because we're all walking around with computers in our pockets and the first thing we do uh, about on hearing about somebody is look them up in some way. Um, whether we wait until we get back to our desktop uh, computer or we whip out our phone. So um, they're kind of codependent at this point and you can't do, you probably can't just do one without the other. You need a little bit of both, at least a little bit of both, right? Well, that's what I would say. And and that's why I I don't, I've always thought it was kind of, um, you know, I don't know, disingenuous, maybe too strong, but this is, you shouldn't be thinking of pitting your traditional relationship building activities versus internet marketing and making a list of pros and cons of each and then deciding, oh, I'm going to do internet marketing or, or oh, I'm not going to do any internet marketing, right? It, it's, I, I've always wondered why that that, that kind of, um, you know, adversarial, I mean, maybe I talk to lawyers too much, so it's everything's adversarial, but um, it, they, they work together. It's It's like saying, you know, I'm not going to use a cell phone for my practice, or I'm not going to use email, or I'm not going to use a car. Um, you know, again, if you if you think about the internet as a communications tool, why wouldn't you open yourself up to the opportunities that being online presents in terms of complementing um, your traditional, you know, reputational uh, elements? I, I think one of the reasons that that happens is, is because, as you mentioned there's a lot of hype about the web. And, uh, you know, and this is the classic you see that, you know, desperate lawyers are looking for that magic marketing bullet. And so they think, oh, well, the it must be the internet, or it must be Vine, or it must be the latest app that comes out. Uh, and the truth is, is that none of those things are a replacement for building relationships, doing great work, being a competent lawyer, but they do give you a platform to uh, complement and accelerate uh, and communicate a lot of those reputational elements. So, you know, blogging is a great example too. So, if you if someone if someone's following your blog, and we as as you know, and as we know, uh, writing is very difficult. And so, maybe that's not your your the best way for you to communicate your knowledge. Uh, but for some lawyers, it's really effective. Um, and so, I've always I've I've always kind of thought it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, to completely abandon, but but figure out which ones work best for you. So, uh, you know, again, if as we talked about even before, if you're not a strong writer, maybe something like a podcast is something that makes sense for you to do. But it's it's a it's a tool that you can use in your arsenal to stay in touch with people, to communicate your knowledge, um, and and, and, and frankly, hopefully meet new people. It, that's my that was my third thing. Hopefully, <laughs> meet new people. So. Um, I mean, obviously, a website is fundamental, so I, I don't even think it's worth saying more than that about it. Um, but um, you know, how do, where do you start figuring out how somebody should do more online marketing? I, my hunch is that it's by something like figuring out your ideal client and how they would be looking for you if they were going to be looking for you online, right? Exactly. Or, okay. Exactly. You've got to understand your audience, and and I. Um, so let's start there. Uh, understanding who the people that you want to be your clients use the internet, where they go, what sites they go to, uh, whether they are they're using search engines or social media or whatever. Understanding who these people are is the starting point. So, and, like, so I, a common objection to online marketing, as if it were a monolithic thing, is. Well, I tried it, but I only got people who were kicking the tires or 
Um, I, you know, nobody called me from my jurisdiction. They were all from another state or something like that. And I think my response is, well, you might be doing it wrong, right? You're, right. you're targeting the wrong people then, right? Right. And we hear this, you know, one of the most uh, common complaints. So Google makes a lot of money. Um, a lot of lawyer, lawyers are actually one of the most competitive, uh, highly invested advertising groups on Google. And we hear all the time that I opened an AdWords account, I bid on some keywords, and like you said, I got nothing out of it. I paid for a bunch of clicks. And that's, in, to your point, that's exactly right. You don't know what you're doing. And so there's a, there's a misconception, again, look, searching for that magic bullet, that you open an AdWords account, or you start a blog, or you launch a website, or you create a law firm Facebook page, and then you wait for money to be delivered to your office. Here's an analogy that might work. I, I just finished reading Brian Tannenbaum's book, The Practice, and he talks about um, you know, going to meet people at a, at a new networking group, and he sat down next to a woman who um, said, you know, I tried a networking group and it didn't work. And he says, well, what did you do? You know, how many meetings did you go to? And she's like, three. <laughs> you know, I think he I think he gives her a look that makes it very clear that he thinks that that's not actually trying it. You didn't give it time to work. And I think that's analogous that um, it, that may not have been the right networking group, but it also may have been. You just didn't give it the time and effort that it requires to even find out. You, you have no data, no useful data at that point. Right. Right. Exactly. I think that's a great analogy. And it's it's the and it might not even be a matter of time. I mean, what did you do at the networking group? Right. If right. you sat there. Uh, against the wall. And well, I brought my stack of business cards. Right. Okay. Right. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so that's perfect. That's the perfect analogy. I bid on keywords. Right. Um, I created my law firm Facebook page. Um, I think that's a great analogy. And that's and that's the thing is that instead of looking at the internet as some kind of like saving a miracle, you know, the new billboard opportunity. If you just look at it as a vehicle for building new relationships, staying in touch and nurturing your existing relationships um, and, and providing information to people, uh, it's a much more effective tool. And, and, and to get back to one of the things that you said about, oh, well, it's, it's tire kickers and people from all over the country. Well, yeah, that when you're especially when you're talking about things like organic search, um, you can access websites unless you've done something technically to block people from anywhere in the world. And so you might you you're it's not surprising that you're going to see depending on what you're doing you might get visitor traffic from Uzbekistan. Does that have any value to your your rural estate planning practice? Probably not. Um, but there are things you can do about that. Right. And that's and that's the point is is that it's uh, it's all about in the implementation, just like everything else, the devil's in the details. And so painting these broad brushes, you know, just like the people that say, and that's another thing that I've always thought was interesting is that it's just as silly to say that the internet doesn't work as to say that the internet is the saving grace for the practice of law. Right. No, I, both wrong. <laughs> right. So, so let's, I, I want to, let's, I want to explain a keyword that um, I believe lawyers have just begun to understand several years after their understanding of it went out of date, or at least several months, which is SEO, search engine optimization. Yes. So like, so my, what, what it seems to me is that lawyers have finally started to realize that this is a, a thing, um, and they have, they have an idea of what it means, and that meaning doesn't, A, doesn't work any longer, and B, their understanding of it is harming them. Right. Um, and so what I think most lawyers believe um, search engine optimization is at this point is some combination of stuffing as many keywords by which I mean California divorce lawyer um, would be your keywords stuffing that into your website as often as you can and B um, by by hook or by crook getting as many other websites as you can find to link to your website using California divorce lawyer Right. Um, so that that's I think is the the common understanding of what search engine optimization is. Um, now, my understanding is that doing that, doing either of those things, are much more likely to harm you than help you. Um, and my understanding is also that that's pretty outdated, and um, that's not really what search engine optimization is. And in fact, a lot of SEO consultants are having a conversation about what SEO actually means now. Right. 
Um, yeah, that, I think that's all true. Um, just to, just some specifics. Uh, number one, stuffing using the same keyword all over your website multiple times is like the most basic, easily identifiable thing for Google to say this is trash. Right, um, because because it, put yourself in the in the shoes of a web visitor. Even if Google thought it was great, once somebody gets to your website. How is that going to make them pick up the phone and call you, right? Right, and, and not to get too abstract here, but put yourself in Google's shoes. If Google just serves up websites that have the word divorce lawyer repeated multiple times, people are going to stop losing Google, using Google. And so that billions of dollars they're making a quarter is going to dry up. So it, it there, you know, and again, I'm not a, a, a drinking all of the Google Kool-Aid and we can, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole of all that stuff, but fundamentally... Google is incentivized to, to try to deliver more meaningful results that are going to continue to earn searchers trust. And so the answer is, is that if you want a long-term play with Google, you want to give Google what it wants to give to users. Um, and, and we're sort of using Google as a proxy for search engines, but also we are. They have the most market. Nothing share. else really matters. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would. I, you know, again, not to. This is maybe a, for another podcast, but you'd be surprised of how effective uh, advertising platforms like Bing can be. Because mm -hmm. you know, yes, it's much smaller volume, but cost per clicks can be lower. And depending on who we go back to that audience thing, depending on who your audience is, you know, if you're a, an elder care lawyer. And you've got uh, baby boomers who are looking. You're, they're never going to change the search engine, and they're never going to download a new browser, right? So, it's crazy. We st you can still you'll still see clicks from AOL.com, which I didn't right. even just until recently realize was still viable. No, the uh, Scott Greenfield uh, has an AOL.com email address, so I always just assume it's him. Yeah, well, <laughs> if he's got it, we should all be on AOL then. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think this is. I, I usually boil it down to. Um, Google is trying to serve up quality. It's, it, it is in its own interest and it's in everyone's interest to get quality, um, quality pages delivered in response to search queries. And so um, if you know, there are all kinds of technical you know, tricks that you can employ to try and improve your, your search positions. But the fundamental thing is that if you have great quality, it is going to rise in the results. And that and that's ultimately correct. And the, the only caveat is, is that Google, it, just like every other software, Google has flaws. Um, and so what, what happens is, is that some people are able to capitalize short term. And so you get this world of black hat SEO where people are trying to trick Google, um, you know, artificially create these pages that they think that should rank. And so, and, and frankly, there's a, I can show you point to plenty of instances where that web spam stuff works. Um, but the, the key is twofold. One is, is that uh, you've got the issue of how long is it going to work, right? So if you, if you pay one of these SEO people or you invest a lot of time and effort into trying to trick Google and Google with its PhD linguists and the most heavily resourced company in the history of mankind figures out your trick, everything goes away for you. And so well, that's and it, why it becomes, yeah, I mean, the, the maintenance cost of gaming Google is astronomical at some point. It can be. And so, and, and but, you know, and I, there are some lawyers that I've taught, had these conversations with and they accept those costs. The other issue that I would bring up, though, is the uh, professionalism issue. So, you know, keyword stuffing is an easy one, right? It doesn't make you look like an expert if it says divorce lawyer all over your website. Um, but some of these tricks also get into the area of false and misleading stuff. So, um, and you know, we, we know the issue with using certain adjectives to describe ourselves as lawyers is a no, no. Um, and so, but the SEO people, they don't think about that stuff, right? So they want to rank for best, you know, Illinois attorney. And so they say, let's m put best Illinois attorney all over your website. And now you've run afoul perhaps of your state bars rules. Um, so that's another thing. But again, it, you know, we could I could tell you uh, all these different stories about black hat SEO and spam that that work. Um, my what I would encourage, especially lawyers who are, uh, you know, they don't want to do the arms race of black hat SEO, focus on the long term. 
build the authentic presence that's going to stick long term, give Google what it wants, give your users and your audience what it wants, and then you don't have to worry about any of this stuff. Because well, and, the I, and I think, uh, th this is, sorry to interrupt, but I think okay. it's also important to make sure you're not doing something just objectively wrong. Right. I mean, at, at its most basic, SEO is just the language that Google speaks. It's search engine optimization, not gaming, right? So, you know, it's essentially the, you know, if, if, if the listeners understand Geek, it's the API for Google. It's right. making sure that Google can see the title of your blog post. So if you're doing something that hides the title of your blog post so that Google doesn't even know what your post is about, you're not... It's not an issue of gaming or not gaming Google. It's an issue of not screwing yourself. So at exactly. some point, it might be. It's usually worthwhile to make sure that you're not screwing yourself over by finding an SEO consultant that you trust, like Guy, to take a look at your website and just say, you know, okay, we've buttoned up the basics. It look Google can understand what you are putting out there. Well, thanks for the plug. Um, well, I would, <laughs> there's I would there's add, nobody else I'd rather refer people to for for that kind of stuff. So I appreciate that. I would add one one thing. So let's, there's, there's two big buckets when you really zoom out on search engine optimization to me. One is what we'll call on-page. It's all the stuff that you can do on your pages, on your site, to communicate what your pages are about to Google, right? So that's, like, as you mentioned, things like title tags and site architecture and XML site maps and schema markup. So that's, that's speaking the language of Google. That's one big bucket. The other big bucket is how the rest of the web views your site. And so that's where you get into things like people that are linking to your site or mentioning your site. But one of the things that's lost in that, as you mentioned earlier, is that not all links and mentions are created equally because Google's extremely sophisticated. So if, if someone at CNN interviews you and writes up something about your practice and links back to your attorney profile on your website, that's an extremely powerful vote for your website in the eyes of the search engine. That's like and saying CNN is only going to do that if you have great quality. That's the idea. Yep. Uh, or, you know, if you can find a sketchy journalist that you can pay off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Google is a, he Google uh, says that all other websites are essentially proxy votes. Right. But some proxy votes are worth more than others. So, it knows that um, you know, the New York Times doesn't just give away links to anybody. They only link to good quality as a general rule, and so those their links are more trustworthy votes of quality. Exactly right. And so, and, and, when, and so now, again, uh, not getting too into the philosophical abstractness of all of this, but if you think about it, it's just the same things that it's always been. So how are you going to get a New York Times journalist to write about you? You're going to do really good work, develop a reputation in your community, get other lawyers to say, this is the guy that's the expert on this, you should talk to him. Um, and so that, that's if you think about SEO in through that lens, it really changes the conversation from, you know, trying to figure out ways to trick Google and stuff keywords and build links that have divorce lawyer and the anchor text into PR strategies, networking strategies, community uh, type of outreach type of stuff. So, you know, charity uh, activities, those types of things. And, and as you mentioned, those are the types of signals that Google gives a lot more weight to. And so it's not just, hey, I need to get 10,000 links to my website. It's I can get one really, really good link. Right. And that's going to be so much more effective. And here's another thing that people always forget about. How about what if you get a link on CNN, a, a site that a lot of people actually go to and read about and actually click that link and come to your site? Mm -hmm. um, that is that you can get in front of a really, uh, you know, much more large audience. You know, that might not, that might not be right for your practice if you don't practice on a national basis. But um, even in your local newspaper, getting people to visit you from that local newspaper site is can be a really powerful way to get more exposure, develop your name, get recognition. All of those things that's that that are important a hundred years ago. There's just it's just a different avenue for that to happen today. So so that's. That's SEO. Um, we've sort of wrapped it up in a bow and, and said, here's sort of the, the big picture of it. Um, I, now I think it might be helpful to talk about, I mean, it's hard, to, it's hard to talk about online marketing without SEO because so much of it intersects with it. Um, but I think of SEO and as one way that people can discover you online. 
mm-hmm. right? The people who are finding you as a result of search engines or even clicking links on sites like CNN, um, they're probably meeting you for the first time. They may or may not be interested in hiring a lawyer at that point. Um, they, it, you're a harder sell because they've just met you for the first time. Um, what I think of as sort of easy SEO is just making sure people can find your website when they already know who you are. Right. Um, I, you know, I go back to my own law firm website, which um, the the number one way, far and away, people found my website was searching for variations on my name, right. which I have always interpreted, and I, I think I'm right about this, as they already know who I was. Um, now, they may have known who I was. It may have been some of those were undoubtedly other lawyers who knew my stuff on Lawyerist and didn't click through to my homepage for my profile for some reason, but um, but they were those had to be people who knew who I was or how would they know to search for my name? Exactly. And, and now, so there's SEO involved because they're looking for me, but it's not the first time they've met me. Um, right. Cause I had a blog and a lot of people knew who I was because of my blog. And I can imagine a lot of those people that instead of clicking a link to my homepage would have gone to Google to search for information about me and landed on my law firm website. Now, that sounds a lot like traditional networking to me. It's using your blog as a way to get discovered or maybe more like teaching CLEs or, or being on the news. Um, and I know pe- people, lots of people hired me because of my blog, but not because of, um, you know, explicit SEO stuff. It's because they read, they came back to read my stuff. Um, so I think that's one not really SEO um, piece to online marketing. Right. I mean, and, and another one is maybe social media, which is sort of another way that people discover people for the first time. Right. So um, I th- these are all I think those are some really good points. So, number one, and I'm going to use some terms here. That I know you hate, um, <laughs> but, but you developed a brand. Right. Um, people, whether they heard about you in real life or they read your blog or, or someone told them in real life, hey, you got to check out this blog or, hey, you got to talk to Sam Glover about whatever it was, um, you started to, you know, whether you want to, you can sub here, we'll do this sub out brand for reputation. Yeah. Two sides of the same coin for sure. Exactly. And so, and so that, that is a, that is still the critical piece that I think, you know, it's not SEO is not a substitute for developing a reputation. Uh, it is a vehicle through which your reputation can be complemented. And as you said, people can discover you, but there, there's because, no doubt because this was an it was both an online and an offline reputation. Some of many of these people were googling my name after meeting me at a bar function right. or seeing me present something locally. Exactly right, and so and that's the thing is is that so um, you know it, you know is that SEO? Well, I would say yes because anything that you do that is designed to help uh, communicate with a user of a search engine. Yeah, that to me is SEO. And I'll even tell you, we can talk about this another time but or after the call. If you really want to see, too, where Google is going, it's not just that they're going to deliver a link to Lawyerist or Sam Glover or, or whatever. They're actually going to want to provide information. So they're going to, so when someone actually meets you at a networking event and they Google, what is Sam Glover's email or what is Sam Glover's, you know, how old is Sam Glover? They're, it's going to deliver that actual what they're calling these knowledge graph results, and that and that's the switch from you know. And again, I don't want to get too technical, but I think it's I think it's relevant to this discussion to keep your eye on the future of delivering information to people. The the the, the line between offline and online is very very blurred, and it's continuing to blur. Um, and I think it's important for people to keep in mind that it, it's not a separate thing. It's not one or the other. It's of course, you know it's table stakes to be uh, uh, to develop a, rela- a reputation and develop relationships for being a good lawyer. But this is a way now to communicate that to a lot more people. Right. I mean, your your clients don't probably make much of a distinction any longer between online and offline life. Right. We used to think you know the internet was not real life. Nobody thinks that anymore. Right. Um, you know, all of us will. Um, you know, our kids do something cute. We whip out our camera and and put it on Facebook or Flickr in seconds. Um, and an offline thing has just become an online thing. If I meet somebody at um, at a bar function 
and uh, friend them on LinkedIn or connect to them on LinkedIn, whatever it's called. I try to avoid it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Or become a Facebook friend or something like that. You know, we've just taken a a relationship that started offline and we've, we've made it an online relationship. Or if to a member of my referral network, a, per, a person who I know um, who, who refers business to me, if they're having coffee with somebody that I don't even know across town, and it turns out that that person might want to contact me for representation, they say, you know, contact Sam Glover. Well, they may Im- instantly pull out their phone and Google me. Right. Uh, so it, I, I, that's one of the reasons why I say there's no such thing as online marketing, because if that person doesn't find me online, they'll pro- they may never contact me um, because because they just won't they'll, they won't find my contact information or it will slip their mind. It won't come up again. Um, they may, but they may not. And so when I say there's no th- such thing, it's because I think the two have just merged into um, a, a ball where almost all marketing interactions have both online and offline aspects. Right. And I think that's that's totally right. And you know, just a uh, continue on the social media stuff. Um, when people are making, when, it, when that point in time that someone, whether they're going to make a referral, a friend is dealing with some kind of legal issue, or someone's looking for uh, or is thinking about the legal issues that they've got, and, you know, they might not even realize it's time to hire a lawyer. But if, you, if you're connected with those people, and they're seeing, and, and again, this is not, we're not talking about marketing messaging. Maybe they're just, and, maybe and we're not talking about. Um, what lawyers often think about, which is, hey, does anybody know a lawyer who does X, right? right? You're talking about people who are beginning to talk about problems that might be legal problems in the spaces where we talk about everything right now. Exactly. And, and that's the thing is, is that, and, and these, it might, not, they, it might not even be a communication. It might be inside this person's head that you're connected to on Facebook that you publish, you know, or the lawyer publishes something and they say, oh, yeah, Sam does this. You're, you're top of mind. Because again, in, as we know, there are more lawyers per capita in the United States than other country in the world. People know a lot of lawyers. And so the, the, in many instances, it's making sure that you've developed that reputation in the real world and then being in front of being top of mind in that person's mind, whether they're on Facebook or LinkedIn or on Google or whatever, uh, so that that critical point when they're like, you know what, I might need to talk to a lawyer about this, they're thinking of you. It was it was sort of it was probably about a year ago when I noticed that um, regular everyday conversations with my friends and family started moving into channels like Facebook chats and updates and comments and things like that. So, um, you know, if a friend wanted to meet up to go out to dinner, in fact, this just happened today and yesterday. Um, my wife and I had a night off and. And for whatever reason, Facebook was the easy place to have that conversation. But I've also seen lots of conversations between my friends and family, who are the only people I um, connect with on Facebook. Uh, I've seen lots of conversations where uh, professional services recommendations come up. Um, and And I know that more of it is happening privately than is happening publicly. Um, so I'm somewhat surprised to see that sort of thing happening. And these are people who um, you know, my, my, my local circle is a lot of lawyers and people like me. And, um, these are people who are good clients. They have money, they can pay, um, they have real legal problems and, um, they're not just going to kick tires and they're getting personal recommendations from people that they trust. So, um, you know, those people are probably going to turn around and Google the, the name, um, or maybe the person who's making the recommendation will Google the name, but it's going to come up. Um, so I guess, Part of what I wanted to, do, to go off on this tangent was is to try and blow up people's perception of what SEO is by giving some examples of other ways that online marketing works. So I've talked about, you know, my blog was a way that people learned who I was and then would Google my name. My offline networking became a way that people would find me online. I certainly got business from keywordy SEO. Um, my post on, you know, what do I do if I'm sued by a debt collector is still one of the most popular things on my consumer law blog. Um, but what are some of the other ways that you see people getting business that involve the internet? Well, and, and let's, let's just talk about it in the context of SEO for a second. So we talked about what I use the term brand or reputation, but the search on your name. But the other thing that people do, because remember, even though it's very advertising heavy, the original one of the original intentions of the internet 
was as an academic research tool. And, and, what it, and so what search engines do today still, and what people use search engines for, is to research answers to questions. And so they're not, you know, sure, business lookup is one, you know, the new yellow pages, we'll put that off to the side for a second. But if I'm dealing with something, whether it's a family issue or a medical, quasi-medical legal or insurance company issue, I'm going to have, start having questions, right? And I'm going to start using terms that maybe I don't know. And so I'm going to, you know, I, I get something from my insurance company or I get something from my landlord or whatever it is. And I'm like, I don't even know if this is right. And so what do I do? I go to the internet, I go to Google and I start researching this stuff. So as a lawyer, if you can publish things, whether it's articles, blog posts, whatever, that appear, that are, that are earning visibility in Google, you're going to attract people to your pages that are doing that research. Is every one of those people going to turn into a client? Of course not. Um, but well, it's, it's the basic idea of you know why Google is such an accurate predictor of flu outbreaks, because people start Googling things right. um, related to symptoms that aren't necessarily even symptoms yet. Right. I mean, my, you know, I, their lawyers immediately go to, oh, well, that's why I want to show up for California DUI lawyer. But, right. um, but the trickier thing is intercepting them before they know they need a lawyer. Right. And here's now here. And just a, just a point on that, on the DUI, the business lookup stuff, mm -hmm. because, because I don't want to I don't want to uh, dismiss this. and I don't want to be uh, accused of being dismissive of business lookup. Business lookup matters. But in most sites, well, that, for particular practices anyway. Right, exactly. Um, but the, 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 I think the big thing that is important for folks to understand, two big points that I think people don't typically understand. Number one is, is that most of the sites that we look at that are earning a lot of attention from search, the, the business lookup segment is extremely small. So, on, and I'm just going to throw some random numbers out, but let's say on a thousand visits, 10 of those are going to be, you know, Chicago DUI lawyer. Mo the overwhelming majority still to this day are going to be those research oriented searches. They're going to be the reputational searches. And so everybody, because what happens is everybody thinks, oh, well, of course, everybody uses DUI lawyer in the city. That's how people would find me. But the, 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 the truth is they don't. And here's the really crazy part. And I'm not going to get the number right because I don't remember. I haven't memorized it. But at something like 30% of the searches performed on Google every day have never been performed before. Yeah, I saw, I saw that number. I, I don't know what the percentage is either, but that was kind of fascinating. Right. Well, even let's, I mean, I can tell you this. It's more than 10%. And even well, first of all, people are really creative with misspellings. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and the other thing too is, is that, um, you know, the way that you and I, and, and, and just to take one step back, even though it, fe it might feel like, because this stuff moves so fast, it might feel like, you know, the internet and search engines have been around for a while now. They really haven't. So pe the point is, is that people's behavior on using these tools, we're still learning and we're extreme. And many of us are very unsophisticated. So it's, it's people are typing paragraphs in. 16%. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, I inflated a little bit, but, um, the the thing is is that people are taking they're typing paragraphs into Google they're type, typing sentences into Google they're copying and pasting something they read on one site into Google to learn more about that and so you know to think that everybody that all of your business is going to be you know Chicago DUI lawyer uh, it's really missing the mark and and the the very interesting thing is is that everybody's thinking about that way. And so everybody's competing for those same terms, which drives the price of those terms on AdWords up to 50, 60, $100 a click, and makes them extremely competitive to compete with in search results. Right. So everybody's going after those same 10 keywords, and they're not even where the, the lion's share of the volume is. Well, and, and they may not be where the, yeah, they, the best quality referrals come from. Either. It might be horrible. Right. It might be the worst for, you know, you know, we talk, this comes up with um, people or clients that do divorce all the time. You know, they've got a high end divorce practice for large net worth individuals. Do you think that those people on, you know, nine out of 10 of those people are going to Google and typing in DUI lawyer in their city to find their lawyer? No. Well, no. And, you know, when in my own practice, 
Um, and initially, I thought it would be really valuable to show up high in search results for Minnesota consumer rights lawyer or Minnesota consumer lawyer. Like literally nobody ever types that into Google. Right. Um, and, and, and I think one thing to think about is, is it goes back to understanding your audience. If your audience is sophisticated, their search behavior is going to be more sophisticated than simply typing in business lookup. They're going to be researching, um, you know, inheritance tax. I mean, I'm just making things up because I'm not a uh, estate planning attorney, but they're going to be researching these more sophisticated, complicated issues that they might be facing. And those are the types of things that you want to be showing up in the results for, not just these, you know, business lookup terms where it's, you know, the the uh, digital equivalent of the yellow pages. And when we say showing up in the results, what we're talking about is not your law firm homepage. Right. Right. If people are researching stuff, they are looking for answers to their questions, which takes us back to quality. If you can be the person who provides a high quality, helpful answer to their question, Google's going to notice because they track, you know, how 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 quickly does somebody come back to Google and then click on another link because they didn't get the answer. Right. Um, Google's going to draw conclusions based on that. Absolutely. But, But more importantly, the person is going to see that you wrote this thing, which that may or may not mean that you get a phone call right then, but now you're in their head in the same way that you, you're in their head when you show up on the evening news or when they encounter you at a networking event or, or whatever. Um, I, you know, I think the old wisdom is that it takes seven um, impressions of you before, uh, before you get a phone call or before your messaging will stick in somebody's head. You're part um, of the consideration set. Yeah. So, so you don't even become an option until somebody has noticed you seven times. And I don't think that means passive. I think they actually have to look at a billboard and, and notice your name and recognize that it's you. Um, or see you. Yeah. DUI lawyers love to advertise in bathroom stalls at bars. Right. Um, so assuming I make seven trips to the bathroom and stand in front of your name seven times, I will probably recognize you again. And you might be the lawyer I remember to call that night when I get pulled over. I typically um, <laughs> don't use the bathroom seven times, so that I would have to actually be like several weekends, for right? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so so you may be having one great quality article, and you may get a ton of traffic to it. But if people also aren't encountering you in other ways, nothing may ever come of that. And so, um, so yeah, my thinking is um, if you can show if you can have high quality content that answers people's questions and that is what they find and hopefully keep finding when they are in the research phase of i have a problem right then i think that's or or i'm about to have a problem or i may eventually have a problem or i'm planning for the future or whatever it may be um, if you can be starting to solve their problem and give their an- them answers before they ever contact you um A, you're probably going to do well in search, but B, you're probably going to do well in getting good clients. Right. It's it's all about delivering. It's matching up what you're putting on the web with what your target audience is actually looking for. So if you if you put on the web that you're trying to get in front of people that are searching for DUI lawyer, don't be surprised that a lot of people that are like, hey, do you do? Can I get a pro bono DUI lawyer? Uh, come to you because that's who you actually targeted and in, in, in maybe inadvertently that's the, that's the, the person that you uh, are actually getting in front of and um, so so again and for some practices that might make a ton of sense those might be exactly you know people that if they're doing they're trying to process they're a, a mill of processing DUIs they want to be you know just like the yellow pages works for some people that might be right but it's if you're trying to um, target you know a higher a different echelon a more sophisticated echelon of of internet user your messaging needs to resonate and needs to deliver on what those people are looking for so th- there is there and there are other ways to market using the internet that have little or nothing to do with SEO sure um, you know I'm going to give an example here that I that I use because I think it's really clever um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I was being really clever with this but uh, but I kept trying to come up with ways to try and solve a legal problem for people before they ever met me. Recognizing that there are ethical issues tied up in this, I thought long and hard about them. I consulted my uh, my local res- professional responsibility board, um, but, but I wanted to go beyond just publishing articles that had answers for people. 
Um, now, one of the practice areas I had was I defended people sued by debt collectors. And all of those lawsuits involve form complaints. And I thought, well, screw it. I can draft a form answer that answers their form complaints. And so I put it on my website and I gave it away. And my reason for doing so was um, I figured if I had already solved a legal problem for people before they ever picked up the phone or visited my website, then they were already they already probably thought of themselves as my client. Um, now you have to be careful with that, obviously. Right. Um, it's, you have to do more than just add disclaimers. Um, you have to be comfortable with the advice you're giving. Um, and my form was basically impossible to fill out wrong, although obviously people are very creative and they would. Um, I was satisfied that it was better than any other answer that people were putting out there. I couldn't sit down and draft a custom answer that was better than the form I was giving out, so I was confident that I was giving out the right advice, even though I didn't know who it was going to. Um, and I included a very scary um, set of instructions, and the the front page of it was a great big red stop sign, um, you know, saying "Stop if you're not in Minnesota, if you're if you're not being sued by this category of thing, don't use this form." Um, but I found I got tons of calls from that, and I was able to represent a lot of the people who called me after using that template because I was, um, I was helping them before they ever called me, which is related to the idea of publishing great articles that answer people's questions when they're in the research phase, um, but it's even further along that step. And people didn't find that by... Uh, by I mean, some people I'm sure found it from from entering search terms. But I was going to say I'm actually going to challenge you on that. I'm gonna oh no, plenty of people did because I you know people tried to get it from all around the country. But the main way that people found that was because I made sure that the free self help center at the courts all right. knew the address, which was very simple. Um, you could say it over the phone to people. I made sure that all of the local legal aid organizations knew where it was, and I gave them copies. And those forms were being distributed in paper as much as they were being distributed online, perhaps more. And that's exactly, I think that's a great example of, again, where the internet and the real world, the line between them has completely blurred. Because I'll tell you some other places that I, you know, that you mentioned, it wouldn't be surprising if the local legal aid websites started hosting links to those forms. And, oh, and they did. Absolutely. And, it was a and, great way to bring in links. Exactly. And so and so the, the, the point here is, is that you create something that's useful to people. Um, you certainly have the issues, as you mentioned, about ethics and attorney-client relationship and giving bad advice and all that kind of stuff. And that, those are, that's not to diminish those. But I think, and this is to a bigger, uh, a bigger conversation about the legal practice in general, is that you know who does exactly that and makes millions and millions of dollars doing exactly what you just described? Hmm. LegalZoom. Mm -hmm. That's and true. So, and so legals it's not... It is sobering but true. <laughs> right. And so the thing is, is that it's not to say that lawyers should say, oh, well, I'm a lawyer and uh, you know, LegalZoom is not a law firm and so it's, uh, you know, we shouldn't even be con compared to LegalZoom. It doesn't really matter what you think, unfortunately. It's what the consumer thinks. And so... Again, as a lawyer, you have ethical obligations that you need to take very seriously. Stop signs, disclaimers, you know, talk to a lawyer. I encourage you to talk to a lawyer. You nearly need to talk to a lawyer. Um, is extremely important. But it's, that's, I don't think that the, the alternative is, well, my, eth my ethical obligations mean that I can only sit down face to face with a, with a client, uh, have them sign a retainer, and then actually offer them legal advice. Um, the, 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 the demand of what people are looking for is changing. And so for a lot of practices that are finding themselves uh, losing to LegalZoom need to think about this. And again, it's not, I'm not advocating publish free legal advice and just go out there and willy-nilly answer questions online. But I think they need, that they need to take a hard look at what some of their, where they're losing the attention of their target audience and find ways that they can effectively uh, get in front of that audience in a way that motivates them to say, hey, you know what, uh, this is actually, this guy's really knowledgeable. He's already helped me out. I'm going to give him a call. So I'm going to try and sum up here. Um, the, the main thing to focus on if you are a lawyer and the idea of um, learning all of the stuff we've been talking about is daunting to you, then I think the main things you need to know are have a website, um, 
Make sure that it can be found by Googling your name at a bare minimum. And on your website, focus on quality. Uh, every page of your website should be quality. Um, and most importantly, you should include on your website things that will be useful to your ideal clients, which you probably were going to do anyway. But really think about what's actually useful. A page full of links to local courts might act, might be useful, but it might not be as useful as something else you could put together. And, and try and keep that thing up to date. So um, have a website, make sure it's a, a good looking one and that it is high quality. Um, and if you want to go to the next level, um, Guy and I are going to keep talking about this in future podcasts. Um, but also, okay, so here's one of the reasons I like Guy. Uh, is I, I don't think he's promoted himself this entire time, and he never does. That's why I love having him on lawyers because he doesn't take advantage of that to try and you know to try and pitch people on hiring him. Uh, so I'm going to do it now because I think if you are in the market for more advanced online marketing strategy, then Guy is the person you ought to talk to. Um, and so uh, because we've been talking about. Um, trying to zoom in on who you actually want to contact you, Guy. Um, who is your ideal law firm client? Well, I, I appreciate those kind words. And I would, I would start by saying that uh, I, if people have questions, feel free to email me. Uh, I'm happy to answer. And I, I, I love talking about this stuff. I think I, I just find search engine optimization, and maybe it's silly, but uh, I really enjoy talking about it. So if you've got a question that comes out of this, please don't hesitate to contact me. The other great thing is, is there are some great online resources that are completely free to learn about online marketing, SEO. One I would recommend would be HubSpot.com. That's H-U-B-S-P-O-T. Uh, another is Moz.com, M-O-Z.com. Uh, those are two really great places to start. And, and ultimately, there's no substitute. You have to get informed about this stuff before you're going to uh, buy a vendor. I mean, you don't buy, you really shot not to buy anything without have, understanding what you're actually buying. Um, but for me, you know, our, our target really tends to be, um, we work with a lot of injury attorneys, with, but, it's, but primarily I would say it's consumer-facing attorneys. So um, people that uh, have an audience that are using the web, that are using search engines, that are using social media uh, to find and have uh, conversations about attorneys. That's and really committed are, to that as a primary source of, of potential clients, right? Committed to that, uh, that are willing to make a longer term investment. You know, if you if you want to rank number one in Google for DUI lawyer in twenty four hours, please don't call me. <laughs> <laughs> But if you want to de develop a sophisticated online marketing strategy, you're the guy to call. Well, I like to think so. Um, and, and, and in fact, there are, there, are, if there are people out there that are uh, looking to vet their internet marketing companies. I'm also happy to do that. And there are other folks out there that are doing a really nice job for, for lawyers. And I'd be happy to make uh, those kind of recommendations, too. Well, Guy, thanks so much for being with us today. And um, I will. I look forward to talking more about online marketing in future podcasts. Sounds great, Sam. Thanks for having me. It was great catching up too. This episode of the Lawyerist Podcast is brought to you by Ruby Receptionists. Ruby answered the phones for my law practice for a couple of years. And here's the thing. When I was answering the phone, I was often distracted. I might be in the middle of reading a brief that pissed me off from opposing counsel uh, or dealing with something stressful or that I really needed to focus on. And so the phone rings, it's an interruption, kind of drives me crazy, and I'm never at my best. That's not the face I wanted to put forward to clients. So when I got Ruby, the whole thing changed for two reasons. First, because uh, the ladies at Ruby are fantastic on the phone. They're cheerful, they're friendly, they're helpful. And what happened is that people would regularly say, wow, I just had such a great experience with your receptionist. And second, because my instructions were that anybody who asked for me by name should be put straight through to me. The way that happens is it's a soft transfer, meaning the first person I hear from is a receptionist from Ruby who says, Hi, this is so-and-so from Ruby Receptionists. I've got so-and-so on the phone, and they're calling about this. Should I put him through? And so I have the opportunity to say, no, tell them to call this person. Tell them I'll call them back later. 
please take a message, or sure, put them through and I'll talk to them. And just that little bit of buffer meant that by the time I got on the phone, I was prepared for the conversation and I could be in a much better mood. Hiring somebody to pick up my phones and answer my phones for me that is as friendly and professional and helpful as Ruby was one of the best things I did for my practice and for my sanity and productivity. So you should check out Ruby and you've got no reason not to because it's free for 14 days. And if you check them out by going to callruby.com slash lawyerist, they will also waive the setup fee should you decide to stick with them. And if you sign up for the trial, they will take good care of you. And I'm pretty sure you will want to hire them in the end. So go to callruby.com slash lawyerist and find out for yourself. Catch us next week for episode eight when we talk with Aaron Hall, the managing partner of a small firm in Minnesota, about his plans to offer a satisfaction guarantee to his clients. To make sure you catch next week's episode of The Lawyerist Podcast, subscribe to The Lawyerist Podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast app. You can listen to it at lawyerist.com slash podcast. You can also subscribe to The Lawyerist Insider, our weekly newsletter. Just go to lawyerist.com and look down the sidebar or click on newsletter up at the top. We'll remind you where to find the podcast whenever we release a new episode. Thanks for listening. <laughs>